the morning show. The home team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brame. It's the crossover right here on 960theref.com. Plenty to get to on today's episode. We'll kind of go across the board with what's all going on in sports right now. We'll have the NBA playoffs a little bit. We'll talk about the Braves. Talk about the University of Georgia finally hosting a regional once again for the first time since 2008. Looking forward to that coming up. And we'll also talk about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Matt Ryan getting the new contract. Julio Jones wanting a new contract. So plenty, again, to get to on today's episode. But we'll start off uh, with the Georgia baseball team and their very, very good season up to this point. Uh, The Dogs locking themselves in. As you listen to this, uh, they could possibly uh, be playing in their first game either against Vanderbilt or Arkansas. Again, depending on when you listen to it, we're recording on Tuesday. The Dogs open SEC tournament play on Wednesday. But the way that the season has gone, and, and you know, for Coach Strickland, who has taken a while to get this team up to where he wants it right now, uh, it's got to be, for this entire team, just a super rewarding feeling to finally see all of that hard work paying off. Yeah, and actually arrive at the SEC tournament this week and really just almost thinking, like, I don't care if they just lose both games. Let's get right. to the main event. Now, this is going to be a top-eight national seed. I think you, so. you might want to just try and win at least one game just in case for that top-eight national seed thing. But, yeah, that's just me worrying probably a little too much because, as you said, you know they've probably already earned that at this point. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, maybe if there's a, a case to be made for just staying sharp the way they've been playing, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to go there and just go two and go home. But if that did happen, it also wouldn't be the end of the world because you just reset, get ready for uh, regional play, and then hopefully win that and uh, have a two-out-of-three series at home to, to advance to, to Omaha, mm-hmm. which would be just – I mean, completely unexpected for from uh, you know the beginning of the season, but you know this year just kept building and building and building, and weekend after weekend, you're like, I mean, oh, yeah, this team, it's pretty good. Other and, than the trip to Charleston where they played those five games and only won one of them, there really hasn't been that drop off. You know, this team has continued to get better and better, and you know the the Georgia sports fan and you kind of makes you think, oh great, when's this going to all come crashing down? And it hasn't done that for Georgia. No, and you know after that Monday night loss to Charleston Southern down there, Georgia won every single midweek game, beating the Citadel the next day, and then sweeping Tech, sweeping uh, sweeping Clemson, and I think the, winning those games in the midweek really helped Georgia never have at any point like uh, you know here comes a losing streak or mm-hmm. this is going to be the moment now where this all comes crashing down because I remember when the Dogs lost that series at home to Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know that was the first time. Uh, this season, Georgia had lost a series where you felt like they were the better team. Right. They were playing at home, and the Cats came in here and won two out of three. And then Georgia was playing Clemson that next Tuesday night with a trip to Ole Miss on deck that following weekend. And all of a sudden, you were in a spot where the season's been going well, but you just lost a series at home to Kentucky, got Clemson in the midweek, and then you know you got to go on the road against a good Ole Miss team and try and win that series. Otherwise. You had a chance to really start building up some losses. But then Georgia beat Clemson yeah. that midweek and actually did win that uh, that first game at Ole Miss. So n- never by winning all those midweek games, there was never a point where 
there was a real lengthy losing streak mm-hmm. that popped it, up at any stage. Yeah, I think those sweeps of Tech and Clemson, also a little feather in the cap uh, for Coach Strickland. You know, now that Georgia has swept Georgia Tech, uh, what, tw- two years in a row now, and they've won nine out of the last ten against the uh, rival from over there on North Avenue in Atlanta. So that's certainly been something uh, to kind of you know, tip your cap to uh, for the Georgia baseball team. But just looking at some of these players, I mean, the the strides that some guys have made, Keegan McGovern in particular has had a hell of a season, 15 home runs on the year for him. Uh, and, and, a, and a guy that I really think has been super important for Georgia has been Aaron Shunk. And it's not just I think, I mean, it's everybody. You know, this guy has uh, had two long hitting streaks, a 16-gamer, and I think he's in the middle of like a 20-game hitting streak right now. Uh, he's also come in and shut the door a lot as a, as a closer for the dog. So he's really been a jack of all trades and played very well. And I think another guy you've got to look at as well is Kevin Smith, who got demoted after that Charleston series to the bullpen. And Coach told us on the morning show, it's like, yeah, he was mad about it, but he didn't really make us think about it. He just went in, did his work. And now that he's come back into the starting rotation here in the back end of the season, uh, he's performed very well, had a very good game in the uh, last game of the series against Florida to avoid the sweep, and then uh, pitches very well in the regular season finale against Arkansas, striking out 11, which was a career high for him. Yeah, and then C.J. Smith is another guy that's emerged. Of course. Not only an arm, but even now, I guess he's starting in center field, too, when he's not uh, pitching. And so, uh, you know, as the season's gone on, too, George has actually kind of gotten deeper with its options in, in the rotation. Well, the and, reliance on freshmen has been incredible, too. You talk about C.J. Smith pitching. You talk about Emerson Hancock pitching. Uh, you talk about Mason Meadows as a catcher. I mean, they've been reliant on uh, – I don't know, Mason Meadows was a redshirt guy, but still, you're relying on freshmen in a lot of key spots, and they've performed. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, so there's still – there's a nice base for, you know, the future moving beyond this season and continuing to build on this success – uh, you know, when some of these veterans, you know, Keegan McGovern obviously is, is gone. I mean, it, it's probably more likely than not that Michael Curry won't be back next season. So you're losing a couple of, you know, and Chase Atkins too. I mean, what a job he's done as that Friday night starter. So, you know, you're going to lose some, some, some key components to this year's team, but at the same time, you'll have some, some good young players. George has leaned on and gotten quality innings out of this season too, to, to hopefully keep going next year and not just having this be a kind of a one-hit wonder team absolutely and uh i think that coach strickland again a guy who definitely going into the season was was feeling some pressure there's no question about it and this team has delivered really in every way i mean you you could look at some of the the guys that they've had uh, on various all all conference teams and and have done very well in that regard and and i mentioned kevin smith he just won sec pitcher of the week for his performance uh, there uh, in the, I guess it was uh, including that last game against Florida and uh, the uh, fir- or the last game against Arkansas. So this team has definitely been a surprise. And you were talking about this earlier. If they were to host a super regional with a chance to go to Omaha, I mean that would definitely overshoot anyone's wildest expectations for what this team was going to do this year. Yeah, I mean, you don't know how the, uh, the a bracket was going to line up or anything, but, you know, another a big impact, I think, that, that winning that series against Arkansas had was it, you know, there's a chance maybe it will keep Arkansas from being one of those national seeds. And, you know, that throw at the plate that uh, McGovern made on Saturday that ended up preserving that win and avoiding it from, you know, possibly going into extra innings was – 
you know, that might end up being what keeps Arkansas out of the, the College World Series because if they were able to host all the way through, they're ain't much, no one beating them there. They're much better at home. They're really not that yeah, great they've on lost the road. three games right. there. but So they're going to host a regional and get through that, but it's likely now they're going to have to go on the road somewhere for a uh, for a Super. And, you know, that you know who knows? I mean, maybe Georgia would have ended up having to go there and play in a Super Regional if it lined up that way. but Or maybe Arkansas to come back here. But they haven't won a road series all year. So, I mean, that was a big... There's a lot at stake for the Hogs in that uh, series this weekend. Why did their third base coach send that runner? The the fly to McGovern was so short. I mean, it was a short pop fly, and they sent the runner. I guess they wanted to make Keegan make a throw, and he certainly did. I mean, gunned the guy out by a mile at home. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's another uh, element of Keegan's play this year is just what he's done defensively. He's been unreal at yeah. outfield. I mean, from basically running the ground he covers, running everything down in that play that he made, uh, they tested him and they, they didn't work out, and the Dogs got another big series win out of it. Well, and here's the thing for the SEC tournament, too. That field out in Hoover is, is big. It's yeah. like Foley Field. Yeah. So Georgia has an outfield that they can cover the ground out there, you know, maybe not every team that is playing in this tournament is going to be the same way. So Georgia already used to playing in a big park, and they'll be doing so again over at the Hoover Met. But uh, looking forward to seeing what Georgia baseball can do in the postseason and uh, looking forward to regionals back in Athens, man. That is going to be a fun environment over at Foley Field. I said this on the morning show, and I'll say it again. I'm going to need you guys out there listening to me that are going to be up near, like, the greenhouse and hanging out up there because that's where I was in 2008 uh rolling around kudzu hill and all that stuff i'm gonna need somebody to bring just a bunch of kudzu and just like throw it around back there so it so it reminds us of 2008 and also the uh, pa system we're gonna need a uh, pa system so that the folks out of the greenhouse can play the walk-up music for all our guys yeah because it's so you know just you know it's it's stale yeah ncaa comes in and even though they they award a a team the home field advantage for having the great season they don't actually allow them to have that home field advantage but that was what was so great about 2008 the you had the 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 pa system that somebody put up out there at the greenhouse i think after gordon beckham hit that big home run they kept playing they just kept playing your love every single batter that would come that was was the best thing was yeah after (laughs) he did that it was like no one everyone's walk-up music was gordon's walk-up music nobody got anything else yeah because i mean it's just to be there was i mean it was it it was absolutely the way you'd have written that ending was he homered in his last at bat at foley field now i'll i'll never forget he was on deck again because georgia kept scoring and i've never rooted f- so hard for matt olson was at the plate and i'm like i'm rooting for him to make an out not that gordon if he had needed to couldn't have come up and hit another but home you run. wanted it to be that ending yeah, that last at bat at foley a, field right. well, at the time he did that you assumed that was going to be his final at bat and then georgia just kept piling it on and all of a sudden he was on deck again and i'm like i hope he makes an out so th- that was gordon's <laughs> last at bat and gordon doesn't have to come up again and hit another home run and so and olsen did he grounded out i think the second easy and that was it georgia was on to omaha and gordon homer in his last at bat fully field yeah it was a very awesome time and hopefully the dog can recreate some of that magic uh 10 years later in 2018 hosting yeah. That was Russell Wilson was there. He got dogged. That's right. A uh, an eventual Super Bowl MVP, I believe. Did he win the MVP the year they won? I would I would imagine probably so. I mean, if you can't remember who it was, it was that uh, linebacker Malcolm Smith. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, not an eventual Super Bowl MVP, but an eventual Super Bowl winning quarterback in Russell Wilson. Uh, Speaking of the NFL. Uh, we'll jump now to Matt Matt Ryan. Ryan. He would have been a a, a, an MVP in the Super Bowl. 
he would have. Unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition thanks to, well, a lot of things, but mainly the uh, play calling of Kyle Shanahan sure. towards the end of the game. Yeah. But Matt Ryan, very much deservedly so, gets the richest quarterback contract or the richest contract in the history of the NFL. He's the first $100 million guaranteed quarterback. And look, people have been going on and on about whether he deserves this or not, and I always come back with this answer. It's really not about what you deserve anymore. It's about what the market will pay you. Yeah, and that's what it is for quarterbacks in the NFL, and what option do the Falcons have? They're just going to let Matt Ryan go, let him go to some other team, not pay him, and then be in a position like, you know, where they're in the draft and well, we got to get a quarterback now. Hopefully we strike right. gold with one of these uh, prospects. But if you're talking about worth – if you look at all the quarterbacks in the NFL and kind of deem yes or no, is this guy worthy of that kind of a contract? I think Matt Ryan falls into the yes category. Yeah, right? like is Matt Ryan the best quarterback in the NFL? No. no. So by that, should he be the highest paid? No. And he won't be as soon as Aaron Rodgers renegotiates right. his. Because, you know, Matt Ryan making $8 million more a year than Aaron Rodgers. That ain't going to fly. The Packers are going to have to fix that, and I'm sure that they, they will. But Although there's a rocky relationship there, not to go too far off course here, but, you know, with the getting rid of Jordy Nelson from them – a lot of people are saying, hey, the Packers better go out and sign Des Bryant and kind of alleviate some of that uh, tension between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, would there, is there a chance like Bryant – I mean, there's no way like Des Bryant won't be on a team this year. He will but, be. He yeah, will be. I, just, I, I think a lot of teams are evaluating what they have, and then when training camp's hitting everything, Des will eventually be somewhere, and a lot of people think that that's the best fit, Green Bay. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, it'd be a good fit for him for sure, but I think it's also pretty clear. I mean, he is in his the decline phase of, of his career. But, but that's the thing. They have Devontae Adams. They have Randall Cobb. So adding in a uh, Des Bryant to that would be good. But not to, again, stray too far away from what we're talking about here, and that's Matt Ryan. Yeah, the guy deserves the contract in the sense of, yes, he's one of the top. I don't know where you go here. Is he a top five quarterback in the NFL? I think he's right on that precipice. Yeah, I mean, to me, there are like like three guys that are basically just elite next level, and two of those guys are probably – I mean, on their way out. I mean, Brady's so Brady Breeze and Rodgers. Yeah, Rodgers is the other one. Um, I mean, Breeze is probably at this point in his career. He and Ryan are pretty comparable. Yeah, and I mean the I mean the one thing where you know Ryan's got the obviously the big edge on Breeze is their age, the and age. I wouldn't trade Matt Ryan for Drew Breeze right no, now. No, no, no. But no. um, but then but I think to me like Ryan is on that next level, uh, down from from those guys, and you know he's reliable. He's he started every game in his career except two in his second season. He's I mean, he's really his... He's tough, man. That guy, when the Falcons were bad, that guy took a lot of shots. Sure. I mean, and statistically, he's consistent. I mean, the one year that really is the anomaly for him is the one where he won the MVP. The MVP year. So if you're just expecting that, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to end up being disappointed in Matt Ryan. But even last year when, you know, I guess last season was viewed as a, a bit of a disappointment from Atlanta's standpoint. I know everyone was upset with the offense. Well, I mean, no how many likes. teams lose the Super Bowl, the Buffalo Bills notwithstanding, and get back to the playoffs the next well, year? Well, it is. It's it's rare, and the Falcons are the only team in the NFC to return to the playoffs right. from the year before. And, you know, if you, if you dive deep into Atlanta's uh, offense statistically, there was a lot uh, about it that, 
you know, from a efficiency standpoint, yards per play and whatnot, that pretty much resembled the year before. What Atlanta did more of is they turned it over more, and the defense didn't force enough turnover. So Atlanta ended up running the fewest plays and had the fewest possessions of any team in the NFL. And obviously, that's going to impact your scoring. Yeah, and I think the big play was something we had in the Super Bowl year more than last year. That's enough, you know, there yeah. was a lot more big plays, a lot more very much you know down the field uh, attempts to Julio and things like that. So I think this year's offense, too, you look at adding Calvin Ridley into the equation, I certainly think it could be a, another great year. And hopefully Steve Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan kind of have that explosion that Matt Ryan and, um, and Coach Shanahan, Shanahan yeah. had in year two. So yeah. we'll and see I, if that happens. And I'm like – I'm not expecting like we're going to see that again out of Matt Ryan, what he did two years ago. Because no. that was year. I mean, Matt Ryan was the best quarterback in the NFL. He was. And he won he's the not, MVP. Yeah, and he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. But what he did last year is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Throw for 4,000 yards. Certainly. Um, you know, his his touchdowns were down from the year before. His interceptions were up. But they were mostly in line with his career averages. Yeah. I think his quarterback rating was still like 90 right around it. Is he the best player in Falcons franchise history already? Or does he have a little bit more to go in that I mean, I know, he, he probably already that's is. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you look at some of the guys that would be in the discussion there. I mean, a Jesse Tuggle. Uh, uh, you look at um, the, uh, the Tommy Nobis. I mean, you, you're going back pretty far with well, some of these like, guys. I mean, but. depending on how how you want to like define it or whatever, the best player who's ever played for the Falcons is Deion, is Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. But is he the best Falcon? He only played, was he, what, four or five years? Yeah. I mean, then he ended up in <laughs> Dallas and San Francisco. It's weird, and though. Even Baltimore. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. But it's weird, though, when I still think of Dion, I still feel like I, I view him more as a Falcon than anyone else. I do, too, and reason, he even but. said that. Like, you know, because in the NFL, you don't go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as uh, with a team. You know, unlike baseball yeah, when you have the right. cap. But they Dion said if he was going in with a team, he'd go in as a Falcon. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, he had more success with the 49ers he was there what one year and won a super bowl that one year i think with the 49ers I mean, he was with dallas for a couple years yeah I mean, that's where he, he basically did a durant just latched on to already good team he did one but he did and that's the thing i mean he was with the falcons for a while and i guess got tired of not being on winning teams but overall i think matt ryan you're talking about the best player in franchise history another guy that may be fighting for that as his career goes on though is julio jones and he is uh, not very happy with his contract right now. And I think a lot of people are worrying about this. Like, he's not at OTAs and people are worried. But here's my thing about this. He's a receiver. And this is a very receiver thing to do. I mean, Odell Beckham held out last year. He's doing the same thing. So I'm not super worried about it. I will say that, I, I mean, I'm kind of on his side here. I mean, you look at some of the other contracts these receivers have gotten. And I think the Falcons probably should you know, especially because they just gave all that money to Matt Ryan. Well, what's one reason Matt Ryan got all that money? Julio Jones. So I think they also need to, you know, make it right with Julio yeah. as well. well. I think the term he's using or his agent, Jimmy Sexton, is used is he wants to update his contract. And yes. I, That's right, fair. Yeah, I mean, right now, Julio would be the 12th highest paid receiver this season in the, uh, in the league. And, and that's I'm Balderdash. Yeah, and I'm sure he's <laughs> saying, like, you know, like a guy named Paul Richardson is I think seventh or eighth okay. and so I'm sure you know Julio's like well there are not 11 wide receivers in the NFL better than me there aren't f like three receivers that are and you know but like Sammy Watkins is set to make 21 and a half million dollars the Falcons ain't paying Julio that nor should they but um 
Where is Sammy now? Where did he? Yeah, get? Kansas City. Okay, that's right. That was a free agent deal, wasn't it? Because he went to the Rams. Yeah, and then the uh, the Browns are paying a bunch of money to Jarvis Landry. I think he's number two. But right. I mean, but the Falcons will they will probably move a few extra couple million to Julio up front in this year and make him happy, and it'll it'll all's well that ends well. But you know, it's an interesting position because the Falcons are what Julio is making. I think is fair based on his production and what the he's paid like a top receiver in the NFL, which mm-hmm. is what he is. And that's just ordinarily you don't see contracts being renegotiated, you know, with those circumstances. But in this case, it's not going to be. It's just going to be an update, right? And that's so. what it should be. You know, I mean, like like the uh, Julio not being at OTAs doesn't bother me at all. You know, it's just one of those things where you know he'll be there for training camp. I'm sure they'll have this worked out and we can move forward. So everybody can relax and but it, stop panicking. But it is just another from his, the scrubbing of all Falcons mentions on his uh, social media to now he's skipping OTAs. And there is, all of a sudden it is it is bizarre that he was trying to send them a message. Look, well, yeah, but it's like all of, out of nowhere. All of a sudden there's this, you know, weird friction that's developing with uh with Julio and the organization, maybe that's why they drafted Calvin Ridley. See, they I don't his, think it's necessarily they got his boy from Alabama. Man, I don't think it's necessarily friction, and he was very happy about that. He posted that on multiple social media platforms, and there's still plenty of Falcons uh, Falcon logos on his social media. He took some of them off, yes, but you can go to these social media pages, and there's still plenty of Falcons prevalent. So I'm not again worried about it. They'll update the contract. That'll be you know water under the bridge, and hopefully the Falcons can um, you know as a uh, as like Dan Quinn likes to say, they can be about the ball and uh, get ready for hopefully a good run coming up this season. Uh, another team that's in a good run right now over in Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, playing really good baseball. And the question that I think is is coming up with a lot of people right now, I mean, they're in first place as of uh, this recording right now. They're a half game up on the Phillies, and that's another surprise team. But with the Braves right now, it's like, okay, I think at this point a lot of people thought, or at least going into the season, they thought they would be sellers come the trade deadline. And I know we're still a few months out, but right now, if you're a Braves fan, you got to think, hey, maybe this team should add a piece here or there and try and make a run at it this year because there's no guarantees about the future. There's no guarantee that any one of these young players doesn't get hurt and miss a season or something like that. So if you're a Braves fan, you've got to feel like, hey, strike while the iron's hot, and maybe this team at the deadline should make a move. Maybe you bring in a more established starter, bring in some bullpen help. I don't think you really need a whole lot of help with the lineup because they're raking right now, but this team could definitely use some more pitching because Julio Tehran, who has been a little better this year, he still can't really pitch at SunTrust Park, though. No, and it's uh, – I mean, the whole thing with them is weird. They were – uh, a six-run rally in the ninth inning on Sunday, away from losing a series to the Marlins. That's so right. Atlanta's a 500 team at home, and they're really that was a hell of a rally. Though. Yeah, I mean they're <laughs> yeah it was they're they're dominant though on the road, and yeah, I mean I think pitching somewhere down the line if this if they maintain where they are and you get to uh, the end of July and Atlanta's still first second place and you know lurking in playoff contention. I think uh, you know a boost to the starting pitching or certainly the uh, the bullpen is where they need to go. It feels like the team's attitude might be we're a year ahead of schedule, so we're playing with house money, so let's not mess up too much. But at the same time, it's like that's crap. You know, this team has been bad for years now. They were bad last year in their first year at SunTrust Park. The fans want to see a winner, and yeah. if you can do that, if you could go in, bring in a starter, because look, you have the most loaded farm system in Major League Baseball. Even with that stuff that happened with uh, 
John Coppolella and and losing. Um, well, he's the reason why the farm system's loaded. I mean, it's an interesting like spot that the Braves are in. Of they've got this guy who's been banned for life from baseball, but they probably they owe much of where the franchise. They basically owe, owe like all of where the sounds franchise like Danny is Ferry right with the Hawks, kind yeah. of a little bit. But so. here's the thing about Coppolella, though. It's like I even forget the name of the player that that was kind of the center of all this that has since been released from the Braves. Yeah, system. No, I think the Cardinals ended up getting him. Didn't okay, they? but regardless of all that, the Braves still have the most loaded farm system in the league. So use some of that. I'm not saying the top guys, but use some of that to get you some help now and make a run for it now because, again, the future is is unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. So if you have a team and you have a chance to strike while the iron's hot now, you should do that. They they added a Jose Bautista, who ended up going 5 of 35 in his time with the Braves, hit two home runs, and got cut. They made a huge error couple that cost uh, Soroka a win. He did, but uh, they end up cutting him. They're going to go with Camargo a third until Austin Riley's ready to go. You've also got um, Colby Allard is another pitcher you could bring up at some point. So you've got some good young arms, but you are going to need some veteran presence in that starting rotation. And I don't know if Julio Tehran's a guy for that or not. No, and maybe Tehran's a guy that they could use as a trade bait. Uh, as a chip, as a trade mm-hmm. bait. It's interesting. I I would have thought that Marcakis would potentially be one of those guys, but he's you can't like, get rid of him now. He's no. playing really well. I mean, he's thriving. I mean, I don't behind. see him being with the Braves next year because he's probably this is a contract year for him, and he's going to try and get more money than he's probably worth at thirty five. Yeah. Thirty, he'll be thirty five when his next contract is active or whatever. So that's probably going to be too much money. And it's weird that you're having this kind of year on a contract year when you're 34. You know, it's like you well, probably should have done year. that. You probably should have done that like four or five years ago and gotten more money. But he'll get one more contract from someone. I think this is probably the last season we see Marquegas in Atlanta. I don't think you should trade him. I think you keep him in the lineup. But, yeah, you've got some pieces to move around that could possibly get you something that will help you push for the playoffs and push for something maybe better. Again, we need to reevaluate this maybe middle of July, like around the All-Star break, to see where the team is. If they're still, like you said, first or second place, I think you got to go for it. And then yeah. you can talk about what you're going to do in the offseason. And there are some chirps that Bryce Harper would listen if Atlanta you know, offered him. And that would be uh, unbelievable if they were able to do that. And then you can shore up the bullpen. The, the Braves are going to have money coming off the books. They're going to have money to spend it's just a matter of how much will Liberty Media let them spend because I think Liberty Media's perspective is the Braves need to be a self-sustaining thing. We don't want to put any extra money into them, but any of the money that they or the money that they make, they can spend on the Braves. And if they do well enough in that regard, and then SunTrust Park continues to draw and they make money that way, they're going to have money to spend. And can you imagine with all the hate Bryce Harper got if somehow he were to end up on the Braves? Well, yeah, I mean he would be uh, beloved. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'd, 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 uh, I'd ride out there and get that jersey to the next day. Matthew Kaminsky wouldn't be playing the, uh, you know, the Empire's theme when he came <laughs> up. But, um, yeah, I mean, because you're, I mean, right field will probably have a, a vacancy next year. This will be Marcakis' last season. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, even as well as he is playing, since it is his final year under contract, I mean, he could be a guy that Atlanta would be smart to, to wave as a bargaining chip somewhere to, uh, to maybe get a, a quality starting pitcher back in return. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's look, I mean, I believe at this point in the season, a year ago, if you looked at the standings at the end of April, the five teams that would have been in the playoffs then were the teams that ended up in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, there are some exceptions, but more often than not, I mean, after one month of the year with as much of the season as left, 
their, uh, you know, the standings a month in pretty much reflect what they're going to look like at the end of September, too. So, I mean, it's definitely... I mean, shoot, we're almost two months in. Yeah, I mean, we're approaching the end of May. So, I mean, the time is... Boy, do we believe what we're seeing out of the Braves? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, this team is legitimately good this year. Very good on offense. Have done better than expected with the pitching, but need to get a little better in that regard. But certainly that team is trending up. Uh, as we wrap up the crossover here, a negative trend that we've seen in the NBA are these blowouts, man. These The playoffs, look, they've had their moments. There have been some good moments in these NBA playoffs, but mostly it's just been blowouts. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording this podcast. It's like what's happening is teams like in like the, the middle of the second quarter or at halftime, if they're getting blown out, they just give up and, and, and start focusing on the next game. Yeah, you got a 2-2 series between Boston and Cleveland right now, and all four games have been blowouts. You've got the the two best teams really in the NBA this season are playing for the Western Conference Finals. Those like games this, have all been blowouts. Yeah, a dream matchup. Well, and, the Golden State blew them out in game one, and then Houston fought back and tied it in game two, and then it went to the Oracle Arena for game three, and Steph Curry went nuts, and Golden State whooped them again. They won by 40. Yeah. And Houston blew Golden State out in game two. Right. So every the average margin of victory since the second round of the playoffs has been like 18 points in the NBA, and the games are terrible. They need David Stern and Joey Crawford back to like fix the games well, so that I they're get, tight. I get it that you know if you're a coach like Steve Kerr or Brad Stevens or one of these guys and your team's getting blown out, it's like, well, we could use a lot of effort to get back in this game or we could shut it down and live to fight another day. And I get that from the coach, from the player perspective, but that is awful from a fan's perspective. Well, but the game, that is horrible. But the game's like, they're not even like, it's not like they're getting away early in the third quarter. Well, if these they shut it are, down and then they get These games are that. over in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland last night, or was they were up 34-18 to 18 after one, and then that was it. I yeah. mean, Boston, it ended up a, a nine-point game, which is like the closest game of the postseason, but Boston at no point after that first quarter yeah. was even close to having a shot at winning that game. Well, never I made a, a run quote, at all. I heard a quote from Brad Stevens after the game. It was like, yeah, we never really felt like we were in this game. It's like, well, yeah, because you completely packed it up at, at the first sign of adversity. Yeah, like well, nobody wants to fight through these things anymore. We've seen pretty epic comebacks, you know, in in the NBA and, and overall, we've seen great comebacks. Game one of the Toronto Cleveland series, Toronto was up twenty points. Cleveland fought back. It's like you can do it. Yeah, but uh, in this instance here, it's just the first quarter, right from the opening bell. These games are all pretty much over. Yeah, and look, I still think we're going to get Cleveland and Golden State. That still looks like what well, it's going to be. Are. And I, you, although I did pick Toronto, and you rightfully so uh, let me have it for that one. But at this point, I'm like, even when the Celtics were up 2-0, it's like, okay, let's at least wait to declare this is over until we see what the Cavs do back in Cleveland. And they've won both of these games back in Cleveland. It, it's more likely that Cleveland can win at Boston than Boston can win at Cleveland. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. Just because, look, if Boston had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, then we could talk. But, right. I mean, th- this run that they've been on, these young players, they all seem to be realizing, like, it's kind of like what happened to Toronto. Like, with DeMar DeRose and Kyle Lowry, they're like, oh, crap, we're going up against LeBron. What do we do? That's kind of like what has happened uh, to the Celtics now. They're like, these young guys that have kind of just been – carrying this team are like, uh-oh, LeBron's here. What are we going to do now? Yeah, so. I mean, you're helpless. It's almost yeah. like there's no defense there. And Golden State is – they're they're going to win the next two games against Houston. and they'll, they'll win the NBA Finals in like five. In either four or five. They'll be yeah. go no more than five games. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. 
All right, uh, we'll uh, give you a more comprehensive rundown of the uh, NBA Finals uh, once those series are determined in the East and the West and we see who's going to be matching up. Again, we're telling you it's going to be Golden State and Cleveland, but I guess technically they still have to play the games. So we'll do that, and uh, we'll continue on. Hopefully Georgia baseball gives us some more good stuff to talk about, and uh, hopefully the Braves, as we talked about there, don't uh, end up being a selling team, but hopefully are a buying team at the trade deadline. He's Chris Brame. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes because you get every episode as they're published, sent right to your iTunes library. And we humbly request that you uh, rate and review our podcast. Five-star reviews help us get more Uh, I guess, um, notoriety within the iTunes system of how it works with uh, some of our favorite words like algorithms and all that stuff. We get some traction. That's right. So, yes, five-star reviews, rate and review, please. And uh, we'll start looking at some of those. And, hey, if we like the review, we may even read it on the air here on the podcast. So, again, for Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. This has been the Crossover Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Back next week with another exciting episode right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.